Hello everyone, thank you so much for downloading this episode of Bees Pod. My name is Ian Bottrell and on this pre-season preview and end of season review, I'm delighted to be joined by Loudmouth, by Mem and of course by our three expert commentators in Carl Devine, Benjamin Young and Ant BFC who share their views on the squad. We look through the released and retained list, the players that are staying with us next year, the ones we're happy about, the ones we're less happy about and where we feel we need to strengthen if we're to make a real push up the league. Thank you so much for listening. Part three is coming very, very soon. We look forward to hearing all of your feedback but for now enjoy the show welcome back everyone to part three of the pod thank you so much for sticking with us uh we're still going uh and uh we've, we've got a lot still left to talk about so plenty of highlights or lowlights coming up depending on how you see it um, but we're going to get into a little bit now of a discussion about what's happening off the club and we each gave a rating before the break about what we thought was happening on the pitch off the pitch there are still some issues and Loudmouth you uh, have been at most of the games this season uh, unlike most Barnet fans who seem to be flocking away in their droves and I wanted to just get a sense of where do you think we're at in terms of the relationship between the club and the fans and the players and all of that you're never going to get the same relationship it was by ripping the heart and soul out of a club simple as that and what do you mean by that well you took Barnet out of Barnet to start with you can argue we had to, there was cancel in this, that and the other, and it was the only move that was feasible. It, I'm not saying it was right, I'm not saying it's wrong. I will follow Barnet up and down the country. I understand some people's views why they don't want to go no more. I'm never going to question that, that's their prerogative, end of. But I feel like we are not doing enough with the local community to get new fans in because our fan base is dying. I mean, that's quite a damning indictment of, of where we're at, Mem. I mean, you've not been to too many games. You'll be classed as part of this dying fan base. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, well, um, I was saying before we went on the pod, I was I was actually um, on a stag do with a bunch of guys who who all Barnet born and bred. Um, and the irony of it is me having been born in the town next door to Barnet, I'm the only one that still goes. And they've all, they've all, at one point in time, been regular Barnet goers. And the reason why they said is because when they go back home, the ground's not on their doorstep. And I, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I've always been of the opinion that you can't, we had to at some point make a point and say, look, you know what, this is enough's enough. We can't get anywhere we want with the, the council. And it clearly, our relationship with the council is the reason why we couldn't get what we want. Because if you look now down, if you go down Barnet Lane now, they've got Wingate and Finchley got um, have got a training ground down there. They're about to put build some Gaelic football pitches or whatever down there and stuff like that. All the stuff that was in the um, in the working together document that was put together between Barnet and uh, for the council to show how we could the facilities we could bring to count to Barnet have all been delivered, but with other clubs in Barnet um, uh, benefiting from it. Um, and I totally get, and I and I totally get why people decided that they they can't be bothered. I mean, I I've moved out of Barnet and moved out of the area a long time ago, so for me, it's always going to be my club, and I'll always make the effort to come and go, come and come to the game. But I live too. Far, I mean, I live too far away to go every week like I used to. I mean, how how does a club get more people? How does a club get more people to support it? I mean, this is an issue we've talked about for a long time on the pod and as fans. I mean, how do you get more fans into the club? Is it just as simple as winning football games? Is it a question of putting your blogs more 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 widely over the internet, <laughs> loud mouth? I mean, how 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 can we get people to this club? I think I think one word: success. Look at look at Brentford game. Look how many people came in for Brentford. Look how many people came in when we were winning the league. Barnet fans will turn up when the game's big. 
the problem is, is how many games have really meant anything in the last in the last you know like 10 years how many games have really meant anything like you look at all the games that meant anything Wickham at home when we you know last game at Underhill you look at the game Torquay at home when we went down so I know that was probably a little bit more than 10 years ago but the point is anytime there's an important game Barnet fans will come back the problem is is there has to be there's, there's, there's been hardly enough to play for in the last, you know, whether or not we're struggling at the bottom end of the table or we're just middle to mid-table, we're struggling. It's, you know, we need, we need success. And the only way we're going to do that is we get the, the football team right. What do you think, Matt? I mean, do you, do you agree with that or do you think there's other things that a club can do to get more people into the, into the ground? Success is one of the main things. At the end of the day, that's why you support a football club because you want to see your team be successful. You want to have that bragging rights. You want to take the piss out of other teams. End of. But you also need the pricing to be right. What did I pay for my season ticket last year? Over £400. We was conference football last season. Over £400 I've played. I mean, that. I know we're in London. It's the magic words. But it's conference football for crying out loud. £400 is not cheap. Mm. It's, you know, you can't, you can't turn your nose up at £400. And with the football that we play... It's, it, it, there's no justice for money right there. So like Mem said, success, yeah. You need to lower your prices. I mean, do you, do you feel that, I mean, we'll get on to TK now. I think one of the things for me, sort of linking into that point, is the fact that actually, as a club, we're beginning to develop a reputation with other fans and with other players for not being the best at looking after opposition players, opposition coaches, opposition fans. Ah, fuck them, other team. I mean, but you say that, but I, I remember watching this interview and it, a couple of years ago, it was when Brighton did their new stadium. And I know, I know you went, I think you went to that Brighton game. I, I seem to remember. Yeah. Well. Oh, and the League Cup. Yeah, the League yeah, Cup. Yeah. There. And, and their, their chairman, uh, he gave up. I remember watching something. He did like a little documentary about the new stadium. And one of the things he said was, they went, they go over and above for the opposition fans. So they say, you know what? Like we're gonna, um, they pay for their stewards to come down and be the stewards. Obviously, bigger followings, okay. And they bring in, they import beer, local ales from that region. I did see that. For the, I remember for the game. That. Well, yeah, yeah. When they first built the stadium. Now. He's, he's rationale with that. It's not about just doing the right thing, but it's also about commercial. And actually, if you get fans into thinking, actually, you know what? Brighton's a decent day out. It will tip enough of them into going the year after and the year after and the year after. Okay, and, and that was his business strategy for it. But also, it's about doing the right thing as a football club. And I do think, as much as it is just the opposition, when you look at that massive stand and you see 200 away fans packed into the corner to save, what, 100, 200 quid on stewarding? It doesn't sit right. It doesn't sit right with me. And it feeds into a lot of the things that we're cooking up as a club at the moment. I mean, men, we've talked before about players having to buy food, buy lunch. At other conference clubs, that doesn't happen. Players having to only get one or two kits a season. If a shirt gets ripped or torn, they have to pay for it. All these little tiny things that are so inconsequential on a million dollar budget sheet come to maximum £10,000 a year are giving us a bad reputation. It means that players are turning us down when it comes to shop. who wants to play at Barnet if, oh yeah, they've got good facilities, but actually the fans get on your back and also you're going to be, you know, picked on or you, you, you're going to get, you're going to have to be forced to pay money. We know. I mean, Mem, do you think there's a bit of truth to any of that stuff? That, that Barnet's not got the best reputation at the moment in the long term? No, it hasn't. Circuit. If you speak to, and I've, I've spoken to a number of players and agents, and Barnet has always been at the end of the queue for the clubs that they want to get their, their team in. The Hivers, Hivers actually done quite a lot in terms of pushing it back up, because ultimately, if you've got, if you've got, a, choice of two, if you've got a choice of two jobs that you want to go for, one's on a dirty trading estate and one's in a plush office, 
you're going to want to go into work in a plush office every day because they're, they're, how much are they paying <laughs> if they're paying the same in the old days if they were paying the same and you got to go you go to ramshackle underhill or you go to uh, a club with a nice big stand and a plate five six thousand people you're going to go to that club aren't you and you're not going to barnet where this you can't even fit in the change room um or, and, and you're, and you're training on a park pitch the hive has done a lot has done a lot for attracting a certain standard of a player but i think other things as well it's not needs to now catch up with it so in terms of we treat our players like professionals and not like a pub team um, like pub team players, you know, it's not about like pub team players where you every chips in their subs and stuff like that. It's their professional team, and I think the club needs to to now start treating players so that so that players tell their mates actually Barnet's different. Barnet's actually is a really good place to play. I want, why don't you come play with us? Or an agent turns around to their player and goes, actually Barnet really got their shit together. Let's I'm going to take you down to Barnet rather than going. Oh man, yeah, um, yeah. This club's rejected. This club's rejected. This club's rejected. We've got Barnet and Daggers left. Which one do you want to go to next? Which one should we have a look at next? Well, Dagger and Robert, you've got money now, mate. That's why. Well, now, yeah. Back in the got. day, back in the day, the agents would go, "Yeah, you got Barnet or, or, or Daggers. Which one do you fancy having a look at first? And then, and that was the final choice for any player that was too rubbish for everybody else. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate now. Go on. Why should we pay for their lunch? I, I think I, I absolutely think we should pay for their lunch. I think nutrition is a is a big part. I mean, we talk about injuries at the start of the show, right? Injuries, nutrition, taking care of yourself. We've got a lot of young players who need guiding through those basic steps. And if you're a, if you're a club that's serious about success, you want to control as many variables as you can. You want to be controlling sleep. You want to be controlling food. You want to be controlling nutrition. The amount of games that these players are playing, the amount. I mean, this sports science stuff is only just taking off at the top levels of the Premiership. But if you've got the opportunity, I mean, do you really trust? Craig Robson to go home and cook himself a nutritious meal after a game. I trust him to take a balloon. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. And we've shown that players can't trust themselves. I think as a club, you want to make sure your players are eating together. For good, it's good for team spirit. You can get them all back. You keep them training out for longer. You give them good food, nutritious food that helps recovery. I think it just makes sense. I, I, I think you want to control that variable massively. And also, and also the other thing is where you remember is essentially the market dictates what they do. If every other club in the conference is paying for their lunch, why are we the only club that doesn't pay for their lunch? Again, I was, playing, I was just playing devil's advocate to know why you think we should, because does your boss pay for your lunch? Does your boss pay for your lunch? It does, lunch? actually. Shut up, yo. <laughs> yeah, he works. Some no, my boss does definitely not pay for my That's lunch. That's what I'm trying to say. Right? At the end of the day, they're human beings, just like me and you, just because they're professional footballers, don't mean that they should get things bought for them. You're saying, do you trust Craig Robson to go home and cook a nutritious meal? I mean, he might be a very good cook. No, but the thing is, though, they're train they could go out and eat kebab and chips every night, but they're training every day to work it off. So they could go and eat the crap they want because they're in the gym or the training working it off. But the key to it is, well, you've got to remember, there's a lot of them players on that side who are probably coming up from youth team wages, not earning much money, and they're, probably, they're more likely to pick the cheap, nasty option, which is the food that's not good for them, because eating, like, remember Donut Gate? And they got all done. They got all done for eating donuts and stuff like that. Cheap donuts. I, I listen. Yeah, <laughs> I think, that was I, embarrassing. I, I, exactly. But the point is, is that the players, players who got who got low incomes, are more likely to, to be going. I'm going to go for something cheap and nasty. We are a shambles of a club, really, aren't we? Yeah. We really are a shambles. What's worse, we do a good. Well, look, we do a good scandal, don't we? Balloons, donuts. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what else we got. What's that? Oh, there it is. No, gymnastics. <laughs> gymnastics. Gymnastics. I didn't say that. Henry Newman fighting a player two weeks' wages for it. You're a donut. Henry yeah. Newman just uh, drinking. Um, 
I, th- I think I think to be fair though on that point I, I am a big believer in the club you want to support the players you, it's not like a working relationship in, in, in a business or an office you know nutrition plays a far bigger role in those in those guys jobs than it does in our or certainly in my job like I think it's a small thing but I and, and as I said it's the market it's a small thing but we want to be attracting the best players to our club show that this is a place you can develop we can improve their resale value and all the small things the marginal gains they add up I think over time I, I, I don't know it's, it's a small it's a, it's a very small thing I but. get where you're coming from and, I, and believe it or not I actually agree with both of you but I was just playing devil's advocate to say why should we be different uh, why should we pay for that lunch well, you know is what I'm getting at speaking of difference well, I'm sure we're about to get some very different opinions now because the penultimate section of the show is the bit we've all been waiting for which is the player review and what we're going to do is we're going to go through players line by line spending no more than a minute on each or maybe the Wikipedia page up ma'am so we don't forget anyone. Barnet with a B, ma'am, yeah? <laughs> I know you haven't been for a while. I'm, I've reminded myself of the squad. <laughs> Which ones are still there? Well, I mean, no, look. He was gone. Uh, let, let's start with those who, who, who have left this. Byron Harrison, any need for any comment on that? I plead the fifth. Mem? Uh, let's be fair. I think we all forgot about him about half and through the season. Well, I thought about when he was on the pitch. He didn't move. Well, I, um, I have to say... That little period he had with that very slither of pe- period that he had with Jack Barron playing like a yeah. uh, little big man, little man, was probably the best he played all season. But the lack, the lack of aggression, I thought was was really marked. And I think yeah, at, at this level, you've got you've got to go for the ball. Yeah, First, second ball. Not enough aggression. And I think that's I think that summed him up really. Hi everyone, thank you for making it this far in the show. At this moment in time, we decided to bring in uh, Carla Devine, Benjamin Young and Ant BFC to share their thoughts on the players that were coming and going in the squad. They give us some fantastic insight and it's really worthwhile thinking what other people see as the players that we need to keep in our squad going forward. So we hand over to them now and then it's back on with the show. When I got the list, I thought, actually, nothing's, nothing's changed. It's what I already knew. And I think... I think it comes back to PR. It could have been sold better. Because, you know, it was just this list. And I thought, well, hang on. Does that mean Sweeney's had a new contract? Has Shaq had a new contract? So that's great news. But that hasn't been sort of isolated and taken out. And then there's this huge list of players that aren't up to it, weren't up to it last year, aren't going to be up to it next year. We've still got Dan Sweeney, Shaq Hawthorne, the Taylors, Efren. And, like, I think they're very important players. But I do think there are some players that we probably, um, I mean, John still signed them on a two-year contract, so it wasn't the easiest, but I do think there are some players that if they left, I wouldn't see it as a massive loss to the squad. I do think if we really want to compete at the right end of the table, we are going to have to make some signings, some additions to the squad, because as it is, I don't see it being strong enough all season to go for promotion. Uh. I, I think um, it would be good to be able to move on probably three or four, uh, so we can we can sign a couple of really high quality replacements. Because I, I actually think the squad is not that terrible. I think it. I think actually this is a squad that we can, that can challenge for the top seven. It's getting them to play in the way that really makes the most of their talents. I think we definitely need a goalkeeper now Cousins has gone. Um, an experienced goalkeeper um, would be great. I think with if we keep if we've got Sweeney and Santos, I don't think the centre back 
is a problem if we've got both of them and they can be fit and injury free. Um, I do think we need a centre mid, like someone who can hold up. I know Bukar's good there, but obviously he's getting older. He's been quite injury prone. So someone who can hold the ball in the centre. And Shaq's obviously a great player, but um, I'm struck like at the end of the season, I'm struggling to see how he his style of football is fitting into the team. So I think we could do with... I mean, when we signed Byron Harrison, it was kind of a... Okay, you're the big man in the box, the balls are coming into you, you put them in. Obviously, Byron Harrison didn't create that, but I do think someone who can just bang goals in for fun would be a Ideal. great addition. I don't think we are a million miles away from being a decent side, as much as I think a lot of the fans are negative on that. If you can get a couple of key signings in there, but they're big signings, and everyone needs to get that, that centre forward in there. But if you can do that, I think we, we, could, we could be a decent side. So let's get into looking at the squad now then. I mean, we'll start with the defence, uh, seeing as they're the ones that kept the clean sheets. Um, Chad Alexander, I think this is one we're going to fall down a lot. I, I am not Chad Alexander's biggest fan. Loudmouth, it seems like you are. No, 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 no. Hang on. Again, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. He got a lot of shit all season, just like Mark Cousins did. And I just want to quickly say about Mark Cousins. I thought he improved when our goalkeeper coach was there. Because for some reason, it's like our goalkeeper coach was either part-time or we couldn't afford one. But when he was there, Cousins actually looked like a proper keeper. And I would have happily have kept him for one more season. Because I think players need two seasons. I think the same with Shea. Shea needs another season. Because I can't understand how this geezer was in the playoffs with Aldershot two seasons in a row. I think he got player of the season as well. Don't quote me. I'm not 100% sure. And all of a sudden, his form's just dipped as soon as he's come to us. I don't get it. Man. Well, I don't think he dipped at the beginning. I thought at the beginning, I thought we'd actually got a real player on our hands. But then as the season went on, he's... Actually, he's I think the big thing with this, he's got, he's got everything. He's got everything to be a player that could go and step up. But I think his decision-making is really poor. And yeah, I, I Is that confidence or is that just he's not very... Football, he's not got football intelligence. There's a reason he's playing in the conference at the age of 30. It's as simple as that, in my, as far as my, I mean, he is a good keeper. He's a good shot stopper. Are we he's, talking about Cousins or are we talking about Shannon's Oh, talking about Sorry, I'm talking about Shannon's honor. <laughs> oh, God, don't get me started. Shannon's honor, I, I don't know. He, he is the most nervous person I've ever seen on a football pitch, ever. I don't know if you've ever seen those, you know when someone's playing a game of FIFA and then they accidentally leave the controller and the player sort of stutters forwards over the ball because they, they're not touching the controller anymore. That's how he plays football. Yeah. He gets the ball at his feet and he's absolutely terrified and he's got a really good delivery on him he's got a good delivery on him he's got a good engine on him but Jesus his decision making is absolutely woeful I mean I'm sorry you've got to be blunt we're going for the title we've got a big stadium we've got a lot of stuff behind us he is not going to cut it in that squad simple as like I said, I'm willing to sit on the fence and give him one more season I've criticised him don't get me wrong I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull you back and say I disagree with him putting in a good ball I think there's times where he struggles to beat the first man and Brindley proved it when we played Bromley he put the ball into the back post and he scored from it yeah. you know and that was a geezer who played for us last season that's how you cross a ball but I'm willing to give him one more season I, I think, that's it I think Curry's lost his I think you notice by the end of the season Curry hadn't played hardly played him and I think Curry's decided that he's, he's if he can get rid of him he can get rid of him I, mean, I agree one, one player that we're not getting rid of whose son new contract is Elliot Johnson yay uh, I mean that says it all I mean you're happy with that very happy with that yeah, he was so unlucky to get the injury that he got. And again, we we missed him massively because he got relegated that season. And yeah, I'm, I'm so glad he's there because he is Mr. Reliable. 
he is there week in week out and people will criticise him but he he'll, he's buying it through and through end of and he will run for a brick wall for us I love the guy Mem? I wanted to be captain yeah uh, you know I think well. he's um, I think he's solid he's 7 out of 10 every week and we need players like that on to the captain then uh, Callum Reynolds sell 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 okay <laughs> I mean Callum Reynolds uh, uh, my views on Callum Reynolds as well is, I think he's a good centre back I think he's, he can be a good centre back I just don't think he's a captain he's, he's clearly you know a couple of years out of his depth and he's just not he's just not he's just not so sure. I don't think he wants he doesn't want it enough um, again he's another reason he's playing in the conference as opposed to playing a level up because actually on the ball he's not bad you know he's decent enough in the air but for me his captaincy skills are just absolutely appalling it's like we said earlier is, is he taking his career seriously enough and I don't think he is I, I agree with you on that I think he's I think at, at times he's looked a bit better towards the end of the season but I just think that I think how serious does it how seriously does he want to you know go up the leagues I think he's quite happy just pottering along he's not a captain end of there is a player in there but for me he tries too many 40 yard balls too many 40 yarders and if you're doing that game in this league oh, fair enough but they normally just go nowhere they don't even go to our own players well one player that is sticking with us next season it looks like he's Ricardo Santos I think we're all big fans of Ricardo yep, um, I mean Mem you know I remember him getting two goals on his debut away at Dagenham and Redbridge and thought you know but yeah we don't just signed a centre back we signed a you know signed a centre forward but he um I mean, he'll be a big player for his next season. You've got to think, man. Well, I think at this level, I think at this level, he's going to be a monster. Um, and the thing is, I can see, I'd like, imagine him next to Sweeney at centre-back. I think they're pretty formidable. Uh, so, and that's if Sweeney, we keep Sweeney. We'll get, I'll go on that. Sweeney in a second. Ricardo yeah, Santos, more than happy that he's uh, agreed to stay. In, obviously, it works for both parties. He, another one been out for so long, so he needs a good season under his belt. And then we'll cross that bridge when we get there, whatever happens. Do you know what's interesting? What, what I think, just to add to that with, with Santos, is um, uh, he really wanted to stay at Barnet. He, he was, he, I come to Barnet and he was like, I want to stay. For, uh, you know, he didn't have to. Uh, Tarpy, Tarpy asked to asked to be released from his contract. Santos didn't. Santos uh, was like, I, 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 want, I want my option. He's part time, Tarpy. I mean, I, I think that's like that is slightly yeah, different. Yeah, but, but it's, it's, it's a good time. But Santos is Santos been playing Div too. He could have easily said, look, can you not extend my um, extend my contract? I think personally he would have struggled for a little while being out injured as long as he had. I think he would have had to have done trial after trial and everyone would have gone, you're too rusty, mate. We need someone now. So I think it worked both parties for him to say, do you know what? I'll just happily stay for one more season. Yeah. We'll crack on from there. No, I think it's spot on there. Um, Craig Robson. My mate. Oh, God. Craig Robbo, my new sponsor for next season. I can't wait to spunk £150 on that geezer, I'll tell you. Well, um, we think we all know where the money's going. Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Ouch. What? I'm not a fan of Craig Robson's. I, I'm not a fan of him. I'm not a fan of him at centre back. I'm not a fan of him at centre midfielder. If there was a position between the two, he might be all right in there. But he's too slow. He's far too slow on the half turn. It's absolutely terrifying. Unless you're playing a very, very deep 5-3-2 and you want a, basically five centre backs on the pitch in the central zones, he's not. He's not a player. He's not a player for us. And I just think we're carrying too much dead weight in that squad. And for me, he's one of them that's got to go. Uh, uh, well, I said he was our player of the season when we first signed him, and then turn of the season, t- sorry, turn of the year. If it was Balloon Gate that done it, all of a sudden his form dropped. But we've said it off, and you're probably going to say it. 
it, it doesn't help when you're playing one week centre-back, one week centre-mid, one week centre-back. That momentum is just going to drop and didn't chop and change it. And we saw it in the season. We got relegated when we had Clough, Sant off and Nelson. It just didn't work. Well, Clough was playing centre-midfield at one point. And if you remember that game, man, Crawley away. Clough, try to forget that. Who <laughs> had so made his debut. <laughs> That was when uh, Graham Westy was that? No, that was McGee. That, that was, was McGee, McGee, yeah. Fu had Soul made his debut that day. Yeah, yeah. we had Fu had Soul and Charlie Clark for a bit. Blinging, you miss it. Um, yeah, no, I was good. In terms of, um, in terms of uh, Robson, I was, I was with you, um, Matt. From everything I saw, first half of that season, and I did see quite a few games at the beginning of the season. Um, I thought, oh, I think we've got a player here. But I think the wheels for him came off after Balloon Gate. Um, he turned from being one of our best players to being just all over the shop and, I've, and I'm surprised and I'm, he turned into Charlie Clough yeah he did and I think the biggest I think the problem we have is I think we've got I think he's probably got a two year deal and unless somebody comes in for him he's going to be here for another season now Shaq's an interesting one loud mouth here we go I'm, I'm seeing that face uh, we'll come on to Charlie Anderson in just a moment but before we go on to him I want to just talk quickly about Shaq I mean he's had a on some level, he's had a great season. You know, most goals he scored in this for a while. A couple of big FA Cup goals. He always gives you 100%, I think, Shaq. Uh, I think he does, actually. I think he's one of those players that suffers somewhat from a bit of a stereotype uh, in terms of the role he plays. By, by dropping deep, he's not always putting a lot of pressure on the back line. And people think, oh, what's he doing all game? Whereas, in fact... Sorry, here we go. Am I, am I, ver- no, am I verging no, into... No, no, I'm, I'm listening to everything you're saying, but I'm just going to let Mem go in with this one because... I will say my part, but it's not going to be All right. as, as long. For, so, for, Mem, for you me, have it. Shaq is a, Shaq is a good, great, good striker. I think he's. I definitely want him part of the squad. I don't think he's the main man. I think he's a thirty-goal a season man. But I certainly think he should be in that squad, Mem. I actually think we should sell him. Yes, Mem. Why? I thought you was going to be different. No, I t- I, I, we've had this conversation. Me, off air, me and me and Matt have had this conversation before. I think Shaq, we should use Shaq to uh, invest in the right player. And I not not. And this is not because I don't. I don't rate Shaq. I think he's a good player. I think the problem is for what we need and the players we have around, we need a guy that's got, that's got a different skill set to what Shaq uh, is. I, I think this, I mean, philosophically, I think I see your point, but pragmatically, I don't. I mean, we have scored less than a goal a game in the conference this season. And to sell our top goal scorer in the hope that we find someone, I mean, Byron, we gave it a crack but how many striking signings have we had in the last 15 years that have come in and worked we've had a Kinde we've had McLeod and even McLeod was getting sick off supporters for years I mean you really want to give up a 20 goal a season striker that we know we'll get 20 goals a year out of Shaq the thing, the thing with Shaq is he didn't actually score 20 goals in the league and I think I know he had that, that period I think the, the key to it is, is it's, not, it's not about the fact that you've got one guy that's going to score the goals it's about Finding, isn't, isn't it it's though? finding a player that will knit everything together that means that the team as a whole improves and I think the problem we had with Shaq was he was so much of an individual last season that he was doing a bit like McLeod did which used to infuriate me when McLeod would score goals but the problem is is that actually when you looked at it for the greater good of the side it was all about McLeod was, his numbers were good but the problem is is that within the side everything broke up broke up around it's him. a bit like Ruben Estoroy that was, that was the argument about Ruben Nusserui was that he made United a, a weaker side despite scoring 9,000 goals a year no, and it's true and you, you is literally the your one your one is the one guy that you're all focusing on feeding 
it all happens. It all happens is other players start to start to shirk their responsibility to to score goals or to actually try uh, to make attempts on goal. And what you end up having is one guy dominates the the whole the, the whole attacking the whole attacking process. And I think what's happened with Shaq was there's a lot, so many times this season you you've seen it millions loads of times where Shaq would get the ball and rather than lay off an easy one an easy one for somebody else to have a shot. He'd be taking on wild shots from, you know, wherever. From La- stupid Lamath, you've been very quiet. What do you think? Everything that Mem said, I agree with. He's not a 20 goal a season man for me. He scored 20 goals in all competitions, but 11 in the league. That's not good enough. And it showed last season, sorry, it showed two seasons ago when he was playing up front with John Akindi. He couldn't play with John Akindi. He's a lone striker, but he makes the wrong decisions. His decision making is poor. And you made a reference regarding FIFA with Shea. It's like watching Shaq shooting for 40 yards. It's like someone smashing the X button or something. I don't play FIFA, so I don't even know if that's the right button to press. But I just look at him and I think we need to sell him because I feel like, I, 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 I know what you're saying, sell as best striker or top striker. I just feel like he's had his moment. He spends too much of it on the floor and we need to look for another option now. We well, need to find a way to knit the team together better and, and to make the team more um, more fluid as a side. Because going forward, things break down too much. And that's the reason why we didn't score enough goals last season was because we, we weren't fluid enough going forward. Well, let, let's have a quick look then. I mean, we talked a little about Shaq, about the players behind him. And one of the players that we missed, uh, at least in terms of availability in the second half of the season was Charlie Adams um, who I felt actually got injured just as he was beginning to find his feet in the side I mean Labmath again you've seen far more of him than we have what are your thoughts on him? What getting injured on a night out you mean? Uh, well that and his performance on the pitch Yeah again he was missed you know he's not the most talented player but he was missed and he was the type of person who would break play do you know what it was a little bit like a Curtis Weston and not got the legs but he'll break down play and then he'll pass it off but that pass will go 15 yards in front of someone but he'd done that break up play at least he's done he's, he's closed down the danger but then we haven't capitalised on that that's where we missed him Man, I just think he's I think he's a solid midfield player but I don't I don't think he's he's a squad player to me he's not a player he's not a player that I expect to build that he's going to be as central to us making a run for the run for promotion well one player that might be central to us making run for promotion is Jack Taylor who's currently playing and starring actually for the uh, Republic of Ireland under 21 one of Barnett's first internationals since Ran Kadoch um, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow he went there, he went there. Uh, great great keeper but it was uh, for the opposition. Uh, <laughs> what I mean, Jack Taylor. I think if you're talking about Shaq struggling to find a natural position, I think Jack Taylor is probably another one that you could fit into that mould. If you're not playing a four-two-three-one with him as a ten, you know he likes he likes to pick the ball up deeper. He hasn't quite developed that physical aspect to his game consistently throughout 90 minutes. He can go missing uh, quite a bit. Um, I mean, loudmouth. What are your thoughts on on Jack? Quality talent, fantastic, it's unbelievable talent. It's, it's when he broke through the team, we all thought, wow, who's this player? breath of fresh air and then when he got an injury we noticed it again in the team and he didn't come back the same player it took him a little bit longer to get to that point again he needed the players around him and then we kind of saw it again in parts you know the game our first win of the season Chesterfield away he scores that brilliant goal just outside the box left foot he's weaker foot or you're not allowed to say that nowadays won us the game first goal of the season sorry first win of the season brilliant well done he's a great player I really want us to keep hold of him and build a team around him. I've said that from day one. We need to build a team around Jack. Mem? Yeah, I think I think 
when the player's that young, you expect them their form to dip in and out. And I think the key to it is it's another season, another season of what 30, 40 games he's played. That's gonna all that all them games in the bank is gonna help him with the experience and help him with uh, getting stronger. And I think he's I think I think he can build. It's a platform to build off. Um, a couple of other players then that we're coming up to now that haven't featured as much of Barnett in recent years, and one of them was very highly rated, which is Simeon Akinola. Um, he came to us with a huge reputation as part of that sort of set of signings around uh, the start of uh, 2017, where we really thought we were motoring up the leagues. But again, he hasn't quite clicked for us a couple of great moments aside. I mean, could he be one of those players that really begins to flourish under Curry? Um, Mem, or do you feel that actually he's someone that, again, is perhaps worth selling in the mould of you selling our best players, which is currently the strategy you're taking towards our transfer? No, I think the thing for me with with, with Akinola, and and this is interesting because I got a bit of backstory on Akinola around the time he arrived at Barnet. And a a lot of the scouts were looking at him. A lot of the clubs were looking at him. And it was quite clear that... A lot of them had passed on him because they felt that although a talented player does not does not create enough, does not get involved in enough goals, doesn't score enough goals, um, and a lot of people were looking at it to see, well, let, let's see if he can make the make you know do it at Barnet. And I just feel that it's, it's been so broken up his time at Barnet with injuries and things like that. I don't think we'll ever see an Akinola that we, that will be particularly useful for us. So I've I've gone was surprised that when we extended his contract. Lamath, Morecambe, two seasons ago. He was the player that I've always wanted him to be, and then he got injured. And again, he's another player that I don't think he's recovered from that injury, and we haven't seen him because he hasn't been given a run of games. So unfortunately, I think he sell. We, we, we've talked a little bit about Harry Taylor and, and Andre, and in the interest of time, I'm going to sort of move over those two a little bit and come to Wesley Fongak, who, you know, we talked about players that started off really, the season really well and then dipped a little bit and perhaps he might be one of those ones that fell into the mould I mean the Leighton Orient game that we talked about the 10, 10 game you know, he's called a cracking goal from outside the box um, you know for me he's one of those players that could develop into being a really good player I also feel that sometimes we give our academy products a little bit more of a leeway than we do other players such as uh, Ryan Watson uh, oh you leave him alone look the, the door was open player. Not for us, he weren't. No, but I'm saying, you know, you look at Ryan Watson, he gets quite a bit of grief. Yeah. Wesley Fonguk, similar age, similar profile. How many goals did Ryan Watson score for us? Listen. Men, we're not talking about that, all right? It's too hard right now. How many games? How many goals did Wesley Fonguk scored last Turn season? Turn his mic off, please, right? We don't want to hear this negativity. <laughs> um, he must score about 10 or so last year, I think. Yeah, right. 10. I remember last time we'd done a podcast, I think it was the end of last season, you said we miss a midfielder scoring goals. Eight goals. He scored eight goals. Is that in all competitions or just the league? Uh, that was in the league. Yeah, he didn't score anything else. Yeah, he scored okay. over ten. Right, because I remember you saying we haven't had a goal scorer from midfield for a very, very long yeah. time, right? And I agreed with you. And I think the last one I can remember, I think it was Dean Sinclair. Dean Ho. Right? 2004. Probably yeah. away. <laughs> right? Wesley Fonguk has stepped up. Fantastic player. And John Steele gave him the freedom to play. As much as John Steele gets criticised, he has always said, I let players play. I give them the freedom. Wesley Fonguk stepped up. But then he dipped, like we said, with Curry. Curry was chopping and changing all the time. And that's when his form dipped as well. But I think he's a quality player. I really hope he signs his contract, unless he already has. Man? I agree with him. I think the fact is that for a guy of his age and the output that he put in, Let's just get let's, let, let, you know, what was he 20, 21? He's around about young. that, yeah. 22. For him to be scoring that, like, almost double figures for the whole season, that is a good output from a centre mid. Now, I think what the problem is is that he's never played this many games in the season in his whole career. So, I think, I think that the dip came 
I think the dip probably came more of a when he take out the team to rest you because you're you're not you're not you know you're struggling with a number of games. And I think again he's a bit like Jack, and I, I think you group them together. Another season, another full season under their belts, build on it, get stronger, use the experience for next season. One player that we haven't seen anywhere near as much I think all of us would have liked this season was Mauro um, you know another one that fit into the sort of Elliot Johnson mould cult hero great player um, hugely missed I think on and off the pitch actually it looks like last season uh, are you happy to see him kind of hopefully working his way back to full fitness and being part of the squad next season Lamath I want him to take his time and get fit because like you say we all love him he's one of our own and he is a massive massive player for us He's a huge player. I think he's, his talent is unbelievable on his day. I mean, he, he can run. It, a couple of years ago, he was running the show in five or six different positions against the best five or six teams in League Two. Uh, tactically, his, his footballing brain, I think, is second to none uh, of players in our league. And also, the other thing as well about Marrow does, Marrow scores goals. And we've talked about goals from, needing goals from around the side. I think Marrow in, the, in, a, in, a conf, in a conference at this stage of his career could easily hit 10. Go on, sorry. No, I just want to ask one question, but I think it might go on for too long. Is the question is, where do you think his best position is? Because I, I don't think a manager's ever found his best position. I, I think this goes into something quite interesting, actually, which is that if you look at formations, obviously, I think at some levels of football, the lower down you go, the more important I think the formation is, because ultimately you need players who carry out a certain level of instruction. But what I think is really important in some ways is not just a formational where is it good right wing left wing but players who can adapt to the game in front of them and actually if you look at a football pitch the only time the teams are actually in their formations is when they're kicking off or at a goal kick when they're all bunched together so in reality it's more about the decision making on the pitch and the thing about Mauro is you could pop him on the left side of a midfield you could pop him right back you could pop him up as a, almost a second striker he will pick up and adapt to what the game needs um, without necessarily being defined to like this is his best position if that makes sense I don't know if you see it like that Mem or no I agree with you and I think I can see I quite like Mauro when he was playing in centre mid I quite liked it. I think he was quick into the tackle. He moved the ball quickly in through midfield. And because he can carry the ball, it means he, he, get the ball, he wins the ball midfield and he can carry it 10 yards and open up space. Open up space for other people. So I'd be quite keen to see him playing in centre mid. See, I'm, I want us, like Jack, build a team around Marrow because, like you said, he can adapt to anything, right? He can adapt his game to any scenario. So I think it determines with the manager who's available to put and build around Jack and Marrow. I don't think Marrow's a centre mid because, again, we've seen it with him and Jack and it was far too lightweight and we was not winning enough balls in midfield and we got overrun. And that's when Jack was losing concentration, getting tired, and we got caught out. I love the guy, but there was at least three times where Jack's slip of concentration led to a goal and we'd either lost the game or dropped points. That's why he needs someone. two seasons ago. you got to remember. Of course, I agree with you. Two seasons ago, younger player. I agree with you, but Jack's game isn't still that tough tuckling... Um, Sam Togwell, Nivas Valetti's. It's not a, it's not a, a champion. Yeah, I so agree with that. they are the same player, only two years older. They, they might be better, but they're still the same player. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on now to a couple of players who I think might have different opinions or might not. Medialito. Uh, I have a habit of picking players that other people don't like uh, as key players. Curtis Weston was a big fan of his. Uh, Many Elites is another player I'm a fan of. I think the work rate off the ball is, is really fantastic. In Sheffield United, those big cup games, he does a lot of running off the ball, a lot of work off the ball uh, that gets us quite a bit of stability, I think. Um, and I think he's a good squad player to have around. 
Um, I don't know what your thoughts are. Good player, very lazy. But I'll keep Not him. The opposite of mine. But I'll keep him. I think he's. I think he's lazy. I think he only plays when it's. Uh, it's he in the position he wants to play in, or it's against an opposition he wants to play against. That's how I've taken it this season, ma'am. I think. I actually think. I think Alito first half of the season is a waste of space. Second half of the season is one of our best players. Um, I think there was a couple of games where, I think, because of his frame and because because of, of his. The way he approaches the ball, I think a lot of managers assume that he's that he's a winger, but to me he doesn't look like a winger at all. Because as soon as you put him out wide, it's a bit like I was saying about the wide players. We didn't have an outlet on the wide area because out wide he's not the fastest. And, but as soon as we put him in midfield, straight away he's getting the ball and he's playing nice through balls into it. The, 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 the amount of passes that I've saw him do to Ephraim Mason Clark, where he was finding him like you know, these little zip balls through midfield. I think in centre mid, he, he looks a decent player. But the question is, is how many players have we, we've, got, we've got to find a workable centre mid? Well, we're going to discuss three more players, if that's all right. Um, yeah, go for and it. Uh, the last three I want to discuss, I want to leave a couple of the youth players and players like just walk away. I just want to leave those just for now. David Tonda. I mean, he's another one that I think can sometimes flatter to deceive. Uh, at times, he looks like a world beater, but at other times, he looks suspect defensively. Mem, what are your thoughts on, on Dave? I feel like he's Barnett's Kalasinak. <laughs> great, looks analogy. great as a wing back. Uh, I think he's a really good wing back, but only if we play with wing backs. I actually think he's a better wing back than jo- Elliot Johnson is, but I think Elliot no, Johnson is a better defender. I agree um, with that. But I think it's worth keeping the squad then. Yeah, because why not play him as a inside outside attacking left wing forwards in the 4 2 3 1? I think he's in, in a squad. In a squad, he can, he can fill two positions, can't he? So. Well, that's it. I think he's definitely he's he's a he's a squad player that we should keep. This person definitely not a squad player for you two, Dan Sweeney. I mean, loudmouth. You have a love hate relationship with some of our players. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying that this one's more love. They 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 all love me. I, no, I, no, I love them all. I love them all. Right, like they're my own children. Um, that just sounds so weird, didn't it? Why did I say that? <laughs> No, I love Dan Sweeney. I want him to stay, but he needs to cut out the stupid fucking mistakes that he does and stop thinking he's Beckenbauer. He seriously needs to stop doing that now because he's a quality player. We all feel sorry for him that he was isolated, but he worked his bollocks off to get into this team to prove people wrong. Yeah. And fair play to him for doing that. And I want him to stay. Man? I, I, think, I think, like you said, if you cut out the mistakes, I think the key to it is sometimes he, he gives strikers a bit of a a bit of a carrot to go to dangle the carrot for a lot of strikers which means that they think okay if I sniff around him long enough he's going to is a mistake in him yeah, and I think I what think he needs so. what he needs to do is he needs to stop taking so many risks and then that way he can, he can take risks because strikers are not anticipating it he's a chancer unfortunately yeah but remember, he's still a midfielder playing at centre back. See, I don't, I don't see him as a centre mid. No, 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 none of us do. But he still thinks he does because you wouldn't do that at centre back. Yeah. The stuff I, he does, you wouldn't do at centre back. I, I genuinely don't think he's. I don't think he's mobile enough to play centre mid. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I agree no with you there. Midfielder. No, I agree with you uh, there. But we said it. Sorry, no, CDM no. is probably his best position then, just in front of the back four, in front, um, behind the midfield. Then no, that's, that's probably. No, no, that's what I mean though, because I think in the C, I think in the centre midfield. The guy needs to be. You need to be quick over five yards. He's a, he's a, he's more of a trainer. He's not. He's more of a trainer. It takes a while to get his momentum going. If you give him thirty yards to run to run into cut a ball out, that's perfect. He opens his legs out. You pass him five yards and he can't get on the end of it. All right, last player we're going to look at: Ephraim Mason Clark. What? Not Jack. Not Jack Barham. What? All right, Jack Barham. Go on. Love him, man. 
Uh, I, I want to convert him to a left-sided player. Uh, next Danny Hart for me. Uh, Ephraim Mason Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the next Danny Hart for me. Uh, no, I mean, Jack Barber's a good player. He scored a lot of goals at a lower league level, mm. but a goal scorer at the end of the day is a goal scorer. They know how to find the net. And we said, with Byron Harrison, that little bit that they worked together was, was magic. Okay, it worked well. And he's another one, unfortunately, that was in the side outside, in the side outside, sent on loan to Welling. I think it was Welling. Done really well. Scored goals, man of the match and everything, right? They wanted to keep him. We, couldn't have, we didn't have a goal scorer. We didn't have anyone scoring. We brought him back. I think the problem with Jack is, is Jack needs a big guy next to him. And if we haven't got an adequate big guy to play next to him, I think he'll, he'll struggle. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about Jabari, but I haven't seen enough of him. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's anywhere near as good as the final player we're going to look at, which is Ephraim Mason Clark, who for me was one, I mean, certainly in the second half of the season, the player, our best player. Um, for his age, he's so yeah. young, uh, Ephraim Mason Clark. He's such a talent, born in 1999. It's about the time that, you know... Don't ask me to do maths. <laughs> well, he's, he is really, really motored on this year. He's playing for England C at the moment, which is great. Yeah. Um, I think he could become a huge player for us next year. Love the guy. He was the one player that excited me watching. And if I could find a Barnett shirt that would fit me, I'd get him on the back of it. There's no greater praise than that, man. Um, well, I've, I've, things I've been keeping an eye for Efren for a while. I was, I was actually coaching the Met Police when he was there on loan from Barnet. And they were all banging on about. It. And they said that you got, you have got a player here on your hands. And everything he's done since then has made me realise that I think that we have uh, a guy that could play as high as he wants to play. We said it with Jack. He's probably the gem that someone's going to come in and spend money on him. But I think it might be Mason Clark now. I think someone's actually going to spend at least a good amount, 250 upwards on Mason Clark if he carries on going the way he's going now that you said he's got England C under his belt as well England International just sends, that, that's another 20 million that <laughs> TK's loving life right now build, build a new hotel uh, well gents thanks very much for your thoughts on the squad we're going to take a brief break and then for the final section we're going to do a speed round of some questions that our lovely followers have sent in thank you mum uh, <laughs> so we'll catch you after the break Thank you so much for listening to this episode. That's a wrap on part two. Part three is coming very, very soon. As ever, if you've got any thoughts, there's a very lively debate over on our Twitter page at the moment about players. We want to keep players you want to lose and people we want to bring in before the start of the season. Do let us know if you have any thoughts, feedback or comments on Twitter. We're on Facebook as well. But until next time, thank you for listening and speak to you soon. (laughs) 